Have your way with me. Dance with me. Sway with me. Wow. Start this thing. Okay, cool. This is the Always More Podcast. Hello, everyone. It is August 10th, and welcome to the Always More Podcast, where we believe there is always more room at the table for honest questions, meaningful conversations, and deeper understanding. Today on the pod, we're talking about flying saucers, aerials, bailing pools, an interview with Colleen Saffron, and so much more. But first, I'm your host, Harley Bead, and next to me are my besties for the resties, Timoteo Ed Kristoff. Hello, hello. Yo. AKA Timothy Lichty and Christopher Ford. You know, I had a nickname that stuck (laughs) around for like two weeks in middle school. It was Hemi the Timmy. What? Yeah. Why am I just now finding out about this? I I don't remember that. It it didn't stick around very long. (laughs) I don't remember that at all. You said for how long you had it? It was like two weeks. It might have been elementary school, actually. Now that I think Hemi about the it. Timmy. Yeah, it was right when like the like the Hemi truck thing came out. It was like you remember that commercial? Like that thing got a Hemi, and oh, it just yeah, kind of rhymed Timmy. Yeah, you remember the commercials? Yeah. yeah. Did you ever actually go by Timmy? Uh, was that no. a thing for He's you? Timmy in my phone. Really? Yeah. I guess so. Wow, you didn't know? Uh, I didn't know actually that. Yeah. I think I think everyone on him and like his side of the family, like not his family, but like the Saffrons, like call huh. me Timmy. It's just oh. a thing. Yeah, we all we all have you listed as Timmy in our phones. <laughs> never go by it, but and they never call me that. It's just in their phones. It's just what it is in the phone. Yeah, <laughs> that's just Timmy. That's just how it is. It's just Timmy. How it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. What is that? <laughs> so, first thing on the pod that we're going to get into today is wrecking Riv. Tim, what you got? Uh, nope. <laughs> what? I'm a little mad that you've seen it and I haven't. <laughs> no, but like actually, I kind of want to go see it. It's good. It's good. I it's, really want to. It see is it. not my favorite Jordan Peele movie, but it is good. What so, is your favorite Jordan Peele movie? Uh, it would probably be Us. No, no, no. Man, it's hard. There is the wrong answer. I mean, Get Out is so foundational. I saw Us first, actually, if I remember correctly. Um, I'll say Get Out. I'll say Get Out. I'll yeah. All right. Good answer. Good um. Answer. As so long as it's not Candyman. Oh, I've not seen that's him. Yeah, I did not know that. No, I did not see that one. Yeah, and no, I will not be seeing that one either. Okay. Uh, here's the synopsis: After what? random objects falling from the sky result in the death of their father, ranch-owning siblings OJ and Emerald Haywood attempt to capture video evidence of an unidentifying flying object with the help of tech salesman Angel Torres and documentarian Antlers Holst. So this movie is very different. Most of it's during the day. You kind of even know what's coming, like even based on the trailers. Like, have you seen the trailers? Yeah. Like aliens. It's it's a, it's a UFO. It, it basically, is what it is. But it it, it I don't want to spoil anything. What's the twist, Tim? Right. But it's just different, and how it presents the big climax and what to expect out of it. And it, the the story really is a foundational story about the brother and the sister in this movie. Um, so it's, it's just different and it's not as bad. I actually really enjoyed it, but man, it is, it is a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's funny because of horses. Ah, yeah. Wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. It was a really great movie. Go check it out. I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't want to give too much away, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth a, worth a ticket. Huh. I might go see it while I'm on vacation if they play it in English. You should. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That'll be essential, I think. 
All right, so my uh, rec and rep for the week is a movie on Netflix called Spiderhead, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller, which we also call Speedometer. Yes. Wait, what? What? His name, Miles Teller. Oh, speedometer. you're funny. It's a Miles Teller. It tells you how many miles. It's a speedometer. <gasps> mm. No? Not funny? No. All right, fair because enough. Because I'm in love with him, it's not funny. <laughs> All right. I'm telling a boyfriend. Um, <laughs> so this movie is, in the near future, convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects to shorten their sentence. One such subject, played by Miles Teller, for a new drug capable of generating feelings of love, begins questioning the reality of his emotions. Whoa. Hmm. So it, it's a pretty interesting thing. Um, they basically have uh, what I would call like an insulin pump, being a diabetic, that is just attached to their back, and it's giving them... Uh, the option for the medical study people to add or take out a particular drug from their body at any given point. Okay. Uh, being prisoners and signing up for this voluntarily, they have to say, you know, I acknowledge that this is happening. So they're always like, oh, can we give you a little bit of N40? And the guy's like, yeah, I acknowledge. And then they give him N40 and then they do the study and they like write down what his reaction is and all of that stuff. Um, it's a really cool kind of sci-fi movie type thing. Yeah. A um, little bit of crime and suspense as well it's just a really interesting new take on something i don't think i've seen in a while Hmm. Uh, so pretty cool it's got a really interesting i wouldn't call it a twist because like at a certain point you kind of see it coming yeah but it still does a really good job of playing that out kind of showing like the the doctor and the patient's interactions together Mm. versus like the doctor and the patient's fighting each other kind of one of those cool things um Definitely a commentary on our current situation with how really <laughs> how corporations treat people. Yeah. Um, how did Chris Hemsworth do? Oh, Chris Hemsworth did an amazing job with his role. Um, you can kind of see Thor a little bit, truthfully. Okay, I was curious. <laughs> um, just the personality just leaks out, and he, and that's just because it's Chris Hemsworth right. being Thor. It's not like he's channeling Thor into this right. character. It's just Chris Hemsworth. That's. I think that's his personality. Is yeah. he a prisoner or a doctor? He, uh, he is the doctor. Miles oh, Teller okay. is the, the main prisoner. There are a few other prisoners, and then uh, Chris Hemsworth plays the doctor. Oh, okay. So it's a it's a pretty cool thing. Um, one of the things that I really liked about it was at one point all of the music is in major tones, mm. and there's like one minor note in the song. And then towards the end of the movie, it's like the other way around. All of the the music changes to like minor tones and yeah. then there's like one major tone. And then in the end it's like half and half. Like the ending song is like half major, half minor. It's right. pretty cool. One of those things I noticed. Who's the composer? Uh truthfully I don't know. I didn't look that up. I should. I'll figure it out. You keep talking. Um <laughs> and then I would like to say as a trigger warning, there can be one or two scenes that are pretty rough for specifically for parents to watch. But outside of that I mean, it's a really good movie. It just caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it, so trigger warning. Uh, it's not like a long scene, and it's not like very visual, but it can get you. Mm. So oh. that's my Wreck and Rip for the week. Joseph Trapanese. He's good at what he does, whoever he is. Oh, he did Oblivion. He did The Greatest Showman. That makes sense. Mm. This is a greatest show. Harley! Okay, sorry. <laughs> Mine is also a movie. 
Um, so mine's called 42. Whoop, whoop. And Ooh, yes. going, going so back. good. Okay. Yeah. So good. Um, so good. Can we talk about our king right now? No, absolutely. We can. Um, Let, let's talk about it. But basically, it's a biographical film um, about the baseball player Jackie Robinson. Mm. It's played by Chadwick Boseman. Mm. <laughs> um, it was so king freaking. Panther forever. Literally. Yes. So good. So good. Mm. Um, the movie's from 2013 is when it was like, it came out, released, whatever you want to say. Um, and it's stupid inspirational like oh my god it's so good yeah all of the emotions i thought i was gonna join the mlb after i watched it. <laughs> as if right. I, I believe i could do it chadwick <laughs> i do it for you but um really it just kind of goes into like the diversity that um jackie robinson would have faced and it wasn't something that like obviously like you know at the time like he's the first african-american mlb like baseball player like big deal super big deal but it went into like he was staying in like this town and a bunch of you know like this old white man showed up and was like is this the house he's staying in well you need to tell him to get gone because you know we're gonna bring more of us and I was like oh my god like yeah it just puts it in perspective how like real it was I guess um but still is in some places oh yeah absolutely um and just how he was able to like overcome it overcome it and i don't know i didn't know a lot about um jackie robinson's like personality or anything like who he was like as a person aside from baseball and so it kind of showed that side of him being like he was like a fighter like he resisted like the oppression and all of that stuff and at least to the best of his ability when um when he was joining the MLB because obviously he wants to make it big. So right. And this yeah. was like the nineteen forties. So yeah. That, that was like Yeah, yeah. so he Unheard could of. end up dead potentially, like on a serious note. And it was just the fact that although he did have to withstand a lot of like the BS, if you will, uh, he was still like, Hey, y'all need to like learn that this shit's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was just a super good movie. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So bring it back. Twelve out of ten. Such yes. a good movie. It's mm, good stuff. All right, and now we're gonna move into shower thoughts with Chris. That was good. It was very peaceful. I try. All right, Chris. What's your name? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chris. What? What you got for us? All right. So, like one of the things that I think about constantly. This isn't. It's not even specifically a shower thought. Like I am. Once a day, I think about this. It's like driving down the road. He's like, oh, it's back again. Yeah, like, it's there. Like, I look over to my passenger seat, and it's like, hey. <laughs> Who was the first person to bury someone? And, like, why did it catch on? It's like, you know, like, as animals, when something dies, it, they kind of, like, just leave it where it drops. Like, elephants kind of have their graveyard, but essentially it's like they know they're dying, so they just go to the place where all the other elephants are. Right. Who was the first person to be like, you know what? I'm going to dig a hole six feet deep. No no more, no less. Six feet. I'm going to put somebody that just died in it. I'm going to cover them with dirt. And we're just going to come visit once a year on the anniversary. Okay, well, well, I think the six feet thing, the six foot deep thing came a lot later right. than you think it might have. It yes. wasn't just like exactly six foot. I need like three yardsticks or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't like this. Neanderthal like... This stick. (laughs) A six-foot stick. This is it. I'm sure it has something to do with agriculture and just like there's a dead body lying around. People end up dying when there's dead bodies lying around. So let's probably put it somewhere. Right. Like, you know, disease and all that kind of stuff. Huge pandemic. You you could think like there's this spot that we can put it. Who's like, let's bury it. 
Right, like, but like, I mean, you have to take it far away, and then you know your kids I'm go not, playing look, in I'm it. I'm not and, saying you know. it's a bad idea. I actually well, enjoy the I, idea of people no, instead of bodies just being all over the place. We're just explaining. Like, I, I just want to know who was the first person. I don't know, someone probably in agriculture. Someone is probably it's prehistory. Now, I will say though that one of the Hebrew words for hell that we know of today is actually this word of like, oh, he's just literally in the ground. Was it shale? No, wait, it might be that one. But I can't remember which one. There's like two or three different Hebrew words that they use for hell. Yeah. And one of them is like, it just literally means he's underneath, he's underground. Uh, yeah. And we took it and ran with it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah oh, there's, of course there's, we did. That's a whole thing. But, I feel like this yeah. is something you could potentially look up on Google, but I also think it would just give you something that's like, oh, well, the more recent way of burying someone is this and this is who came up with it yeah, rather than just in, or Gehenna. in you, general you know this actually brings up to a great question because i've looked into it like when when i go like how do i want to go like where, where do i want to go because jessica wants to like be a tree right like you know what i'm talking about like you like where you, they put it, put her in like a little urn thing that a, has a seed a in it that yeah you can go plant in the forest or somewhere that's how you get haunted forest man no nah, i'm not messing with that <laughs> i think it's more people dying in the forest than it is to put like right. It could be either way. You never know. <laughs> you yeah. don't know how ghosts work. But that's work. great for but the yeah, environment, true. and it's cheaper, I think. I don't know about cost well, so effectiveness. My my thing, I if if I'm going to have something done with my body specifically, I want to be turned into a precious jewel. <laughs> like I'm, I'm sure you've seen really this expensive. where they like they they uh, cremate you and they like compound it and right. put pressure, turn your body into a jewel, and then I want that jewel put into the hilt of a sword and I want my children to avenge my death with that sword. Wow. Because I'm not avenge dying of natural causes. I'm going to be murdered. I'm sure oh of that. Oh my. All right, Dwight. <laughs> what if it's your wife? Then what? Do you really want them to avenge you? Then it's going to be one of those like they go for the vengeance and then the the big plot twist of the story is they find out it was mom and, and they like, can't oh, bring oh, themselves well, to do it. just kidding. You just yes. revealed the plot of the Northman. Was that it? <laughs> yes. Oh, well there you go. See? Never watch that show. Well, there you go. So as long as they don't Northman my family, that's what I want. Otherwise, I don't care. Whatever's cheaper. Put me in a cardboard box, eat me off a cliff. I don't, I don't care. Yeet me off. Sell I, I my you, body I, to I told science. Jess, whatever's cheapest, like, yeah. just get rid of it. I don't yeah, care. Just like, I'm not using it anymore. Donate it to science. I don't that's care. That's what I've also thought about. Like, do I want to be donated to science? But then at the same time, like... There's a lot of, um, like, moral issues that can come with that. Like, I really don't want to be put on, like, display in a museum somewhere. Mm. Like, you know, my carcass or, like, my bones. <laughs> like, that'd be, that would not be desirable. Right. But, like, maybe if I was put in, like, a body farm or something. Look, man. You know? Well, I, when, you're, when you're gone, you're gone. And right. Like, you're, I you're not really using don't your body. care. Like, I'm not going to be looking back like, hey, <laughs> stop that. <laughs> you know, in the early Get days. Get off of, that stick. <laughs> on, my, on my early days of TikTok, I, I found stick? myself on this guy who was a, um, he's not, he wasn't a, what do you call it? He, he was a scientist and he just basically looked at cadavers and just like showed you like, hey, this is this body part and everything. Right. It's, it's very cool and interesting, actually. No, I agree. I wouldn't mind. I, yeah, truthfully, I, I don't I don't really care. I've watched a lot of death YouTube I'm on that weird side. I'm sorry. <laughs> but just like in general, like how the funeral. We can tell that about you. I hate that, <laughs> but it's fine. That's like, uh, I think Janelle told me um, the other week. She was like, you know, you look like you would have been a horse girl. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever recover from that information. <laughs> but anyways, that's besides the point. Um, just like in general, like the funeral industry and how it works. And it's really screwed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's real bad. And so I really... 
Whatever's cheapest. I yeah. agree. Throw me off a boat or I don't know. Just Truthfully, if you can make money off of me, go for it. Right, yeah. Like sell me on the black market, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> My organs. I won't need them. I'm not going to need them. Yeah, I don't understand people that don't want to donate. Ah, that's, yeah. Like, Ubers. Uh, sometimes I get it, like, for religious reasons. Like, if you believe the body has to remain intact, sure. But if that's not the case, why are you not donating? To conclude this, that is why you should have a step-by-step plan for your death at the ready at all times and have your will already prepared. Yeah, I definitely don't have that. Um, yeah, we, we I learned that, that. I learned that in my uh, death and dying course, which was real not good when you're mentally <laughs> mentally ill. Right. Um, <laughs> probably why I haven't taken that course. Yeah. Um, no, thanks. I don't need a step-by-step on what to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a packet if you want to look at <laughs> But anyways, um, cool. Um, is there anything else you want to no, elaborate that was, on? That, that was it. I just I wanted to know who and when. Like, was was it? I, I can almost. I can almost. I would bet most of my money that it was at the like ad- uh, agriculture. Agriculture, yeah, probably. What specific part of agriculture? Like, what do you mean by like ag? When we, when we first started, like, hey, we're gonna plant things and yeah, we can't have all these bodies laying around. Yeah, yeah. When, when, people, gonna, when people start staying in one place, place yeah. yeah. Oh, so grandma's going dead, from like nomadic to right. Like normally, oh, okay. it's like grandma's dead. Oh well, keep on moving. We got to keep rolling. Right yeah. now that okay. we're staying here, it's like, what are we gonna do with grandma? Yeah, she's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's starting to smell bad, bro. <laughs> Animals are coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. You can attract. Junior, junior's playing with grandma's bones. Are there <laughs> phalanges over there? What's going on? Phalanges. <laughs> it's like it literally puts on a stick and it like bends. <laughs> Do you guys remember that scene in Bugs Life when they play with the cricket's antenna? (gasps) Yes! (laughs) Oh, that unlocked a memory. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, very cool. Moving on. Thank you for this today, Chris. We really need that. Think about that. I think about that once a day, easily. I think I probably will, too. (laughs) I'll just text you. I'm like, Chris, are you thinking about it? I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right. Next up, we're going to move into... What did I miss? Very good. This is the part of the show where we like to present to you some news that you probably didn't hear about. First up, <laughs> I'm going to go. I <laughs> All right. found this thing today. and Super pumped about it. Yeah, No, it was hilarious because I like click on it and it was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what this is about. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. Um, but basically, it's farmers making a pool out of hay bales to like, you know, keep cool in the summertime. So like farm. a swimming pool? Yeah, like well, a pool. I, I out, out of hay bales. Yeah. With the water not just like... So, hear me out. So this guy, his name is Jack Smith, and his friends spent four days building this pool. So two days was setting up hay bales in like a, a square, and then they put like tarps and oh, stuff on top of it and like liner. Sense. Okay. And then set it up to where it won't, you know, like slip and get off. Harley, I thought you were going Four crazy. Days. I thought I thought the hay was a substitute for the water. No, I was like, what is a, this? Oh, no, I thought the hay idea. was just like the walls of the thing, but there was no tarp. Like they just like figured out a way to keep water in with just hay. <laughs> Gotta make the clay, guys. It's like, bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're packing it in there. Um, and then there was two more days of filling this new this pool. With okay. water. And so I'm like, dude, this is genius. Like, I mean, if you got the supplies, like, go for it. And I'm like, you this. you just happen to have bales of hay laying around. Right. Yeah, and naturally. so I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeehaw, partner. Let's get <laughs> on with it. Like, what in the redneck um, engineering? I love to see it. Have you seen those guys that, like, make little pools out of their say, trucks? Yes. Yes. Like but hear me out. There's a plot twist here. Uh-oh. Okay. This was not in, in the South. This was not even in the United States. What? Okay. This is in Great Britain. 
Oh. I didn't know they, those guys had that kind of I ingenuity. Had, I didn't even know on? they had hail. <laughs> hail. Hey. <laughs> just combined hay and bale together. Uh, hail. Hail. <laughs> what the hail? In the accent of the people you would expect to do this. Yes. Um, okay, so basically, Smith, the guy, um, he's from, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Utexeter, Staffordshire. You guys need to get your names Staffordshire? in order. <laughs> Staffordshire. Um, he states, and I'm going to read this in a British accent, if it's okay with you guys. Please, <clears throat> go for it. Oh my gosh, that. can I even do one right now? I have to channel it. <clears throat> Whether or not it'll be good is a secondary question. Exactly. So, we were at the pub and it was boiling. And so we thought the next day we'd build a pool as a kind of a hangover cure. The whole project took four days, and there was about 13 of us working on it together. 13. 13. Jeez. And we couldn't have done it without working on it as a team. Bloody brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank so you, Smith, the, for the that. The thing about this to me is, have you seen those, uh, it's like two Indian brothers that build these pools? Yes. Like, yeah, they're fake. Just dirt? Fake. No. No, they're not. <laughs> Why would you do that to what me? What do you mean fake? What, what do you mean they're fake? Explain it to her first, and then I'll explain to you how yeah, it's okay. a lie. It's, it's too, um, on YouTube, yes, it's like one of those them. easy watching channels yeah. where they just kind of dig pools. And, and they build them. Yeah. Just bare hand. And I see how them bringing the water. Yeah. And I know it's not blue. I know the, the, the editing is fake. But like. No, exactly. They, it's heavily edited. I mean, they, 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 I've seen this guy on YouTube where he's actually dissected a video. It's like, oh, yeah, you can see the excavator right there in the corner. And, like, no. yeah. Excavator? What's They do excavator? it all by hand. Dig out, dig out the dirt. Oh, they do it all by hand. I've seen them. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm not going to blame them if they use, you know, some help every now and again. No, right? like, they have a crew there, and they, like. No, it's just them. <laughs> it's just the brothers. <laughs> Don't do this to me. But do they, like, actually sometimes put this stuff together? I mean, they're there. They film what they film. But, like, they, they have a team, and they, like, plan it out, and they they do it together. I hate you for ruining this. You know what? Screw it. I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> Capitalism. Got to do what you got to do. I mean, they're still in, in nope, was it, Thailand? Or I don't want to hear anymore. I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm done. Sorry. Move on. Wow. All right. Well, Ruin, Ruined my day. I'm sorry. So, basically, to conclude my story. Sorry, but is, that, that, uh, that is a fun story, though. Yeah, they, British ingenuity, I suppose. That's cool. <laughs> you got to face the heat waves somehow. You I know, guess it's everywhere. It's it, not just in Texas. You know, if I ever move to the UK or wherever else, I want to discover, like, I need the par- uh, comparisons. I need to know, who are your hicks? Like, who, are, who is mm-hmm. your, you know, I, I need to know before I go somewhere. Like, I need to know who I'm dealing with here. Like, like who's your white trash? Right. Who is your, where's your, where's your racist at? Where are your, you know, your high-end, you know, California people? Where- well, if you're paying attention to politics, the racists are in the government. Well, yeah. Well, but, that one we've been new. That's not. Yeah, that's, that's not new. surprising. But I, I, I want to know, like, who, who, who are your West Virginia people? Who are your, uh, your Colorado? <laughs> your who are your Oregon or Seattle people? You know what I'm talking about. What is about? the Texas of England? Right, right. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a great question. That's a question we need to have. Ah, uh, we should post it on TikTok. I think we'd get more reaction. Okay. We'll get on that. All right, we'll next up, Tim, what uh, you got for us? Cops take a load of recovered phones from a phone thief who committed crimes while wearing only his underpants. Is that why you said take a load? That's exactly why I said uh, All right, I present to you all <laughs> the cops take a, load. So done. a new hero. 
In Bangkok, reports of a thief named Robin Hood in underpants has been stealing <laughs> hundreds of phones from branches of banana IT stores. He received the nickname after reportedly giving many of them away for free to the homeless. Oh, period. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so the underpants-clad hero was identified as 23-year-old, I'm going to butcher this name. Jay is, is some, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm going to say his last name, Hama, also known as Kamas, uh, and was arrested on July 4th after a recent thievery. But this guy was just... Out stealing phones and giving a lot of them away to the homeless and, you know, doing the whole Robin Hood thing. So I'm here for it. literally Captain Underpants. I, I had that like thought. Yeah. I'm 100% man. here for it. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. incredible. But he did it only in his underpants. And I just, I, I imagine it's so that they couldn't identify his clothing. But even then, I'm did like. Did he wear a mask? That's what I'm assuming. I didn't actually well, read that or not. It was an underpants mask as well. <laughs> They never said where he had the underpants, is what I'm saying. (laughs) He was just wearing underpants. Yeah, but he he got caught uh, by, he was scouting before, and they looked at the uh, camera footage. Okay, but how did the phones work? Don't you have to pay for service? I don't know. I mean, even if you do, it's a lot cheaper to pay for service on a phone that you already own. Yeah, my cousin gave me this phone. Yeah. But no, he's stealing them. Yeah. I know, but you, you... what I'm saying is, like, once you have the phone, then it doesn't matter how you got it. You can buy phones on the internet and well, this activate is it. Yeah, it's not the same as here. They don't track, like, serial numbers, I guess. Maybe. I don't know how it works. Well, good for you, buddy. Thank I mean, you, he's you, God, doing... you, were, you were doing the Lord's work. Yeah, yeah I am vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so mine also involves crime. <laughs> um, Aren't we a bunch? <laughs> nuts stealing squirrel podcast. triggers store's burglar alarm. What? Oh. Yeah, so as an alarm salesman myself, this story caught my attention. Um, police in England responded to England. a burglar alarm. England! Anybody? No. Nope. Black Knight? So there's a movie with Martin Lawrence called Black Knight. Oh, yeah. Where they they uh, find the Queen of England at the time, and she's been hiding in uh, just trying to stay out of trouble because the country's been invaded. But now it's time for her to come out of hiding and inspire England to fight back. And she gets ready to do this big speech, and that's the first thing she does. Everybody's, like, on their toes, ready for her. And she just goes, England. (laughs) And everybody's just like, ugh. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, All right, so nut-stealing squirrel triggers store's burglar alarm. Uh, Police in England respond to a burglar alarm at a DIY store and arrive to find the culprit, a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Stealing nuts and bird food. Oh, not the bird food. Yeah. <laughs> Squirrels like bird food for some Dude, reason. Dude, yeah, they do. It's kind of weird. Um, my mother-in-law, Colleen, actually, we'll do an interview with her in a little bit. She has a um, like bird feeder type thing in literally every part of her yard, <laughs> and there are always squirrels on it just yeah. stealing bird food. Fatties. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're little thieves. You gotta right? do what you gotta exactly. do. It's hard um, out here for a squirrel. <laughs> so Norfolk police tweeted that officers responded to the B&Q store in Norfolk while the business was closed on Saturday night. Officers arrived to find the alarm had been triggered by a trespassing squirrel who was stealing nuts and bird food. Mm. Unfortunately, he was too quick and nimble for us and got away. The police <laughs> so you're telling me if you caught him, what would you have done? Probably put him in tiny handcuffs. <laughs> that's, Can that's, you imagine? that's the most logical like, way to go about to this. Jail. <laughs> you're going to jail. Now, the real question What's is, their big would, he be, thing over there? would he be prosecuted as a bird? Why would he be prosecuted he as a bird? He was stealing bird food. No. I don't get it. Yeah, would they put him in bird jail or squirrel jail? Squirrel, squirrel jail. jail. But why? Because he's a squirrel. A squirrel. 
I don't understand what you're getting at here. Are you trying I to know. make this a, I don't know, <laughs> a race thing? No, it's more like a an age thing. Age? Yeah, like we were prosecuted as an adult versus oh. as a child. Uh, squirrel versus bird. Scottish Yard. Ah, thank you. Okay. Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard. Oh, frick. Ah, so close. <laughs> Scott. Yeah. Look at me being all. Scotland Yard. Scottish yard. yard. Put him in the yard. <laughs> You're so close. So close. If I had known that's what you were going for, like that would have clicked immediately for me because Sherlock Holmes is my favorite book. But go on. So yeah, that's a, that's a uh, that that was the whole story. <laughs> that was the whole story. This the squirrel showed up, stole some bird food. They couldn't catch it. Got away. I'm just mad that Safely. they were like, mm, yeah, we would have we could have gotten them. Yeah, they they like tried to catch them. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Why not just like somebody hold the door open? Just like, He's a squirrel. Just let him go. Joel, get the net. <laughs> <laughs> You're not it's getting like away the this animal time. catchers. Yeah, like yeah. literally from every old English movie, and they got those huge the nets. giant net. Yes, yeah. <laughs> was that Lady in the Tramp? Yeah, or or um, One Hundred and One Dalmatians. Yeah, yeah, those two guys. Yeah. Oh, that's what I imagine. Oh, <laughs> fantastic! All right, well, <laughs> we got some chaos going on today. I feel like I feel like we woke up and just chose violence. violence. Our story should have been like swapped from last episode. No, like we had yeah. two crime ones this week, and. We're just, we're just. For shame. I think yeah. I did. Well, they didn't come out too. Oh. You did. I yeah. don't know what I, I can't even remember anymore. Doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter to me. Do, 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 do. Sorry, I'm, I just know all the music too. All you do. Tim doesn't know any lyrics. No, music. <laughs> literally, that's my problem. I, I'm like, I can, I can, I can tell you the chords probably, but I can't tell you the lyrics. You know, that's okay. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's got background. We got the, we got everything there else. There you go. All right, guys, we are going to move into a very exciting and wonderful interview with Colleen Saffron. Yeah, that's really it. Be sure to stay, stay tuned in. What? <laughs> Welcome back from the break. We are here with a special uh, guest, and I want to just read off her bio. Uh, Colleen Saffron resides in Central Texas, where she tries to make every day a new adventure with her husband of 33 years, her children, and her grandchildren while pursuing all the voices in her head that seem to continually whisper stories to her. Colleen is an advocate of people, whether it's encouraging expression in her grandchildren, autonomy in people with disabilities, or the ongoing journey of creating space for her voice. Welcome, Colleen. How are you doing? I am good. I would I would first and foremost like to say you should probably stop encouraging expression in your grandchildren, uh, <laughs> being that one of them is my daughter. Oh, I live for Dragon Baby. <laughs> yeah, just makes my life a little difficult. So if you could, and? if you could stop, that'd be great. I did your wife. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I was just going to say. I, yeah. I understand. Fair <laughs> you, you've earned this position. I have lived for these moments. <laughs> Every time my grandchildren do something, I'm just like, there is justice in the universe. So yeah. but I didn't do anything to deserve it. I don't believe that. I believe you just didn't get caught. You're like, you're like your brother-in-law. That's a very good point. Yeah. no, You, you just didn't get caught. Tim was there. He'll tell you. I just did not get caught. You are absolutely right. Well, tell us about yourself. Obviously, you are my mother-in-law, the grandmother to my daughter. Tell us a little bit more about that, about you. About, about me? who you are as a person. Oh, who I am as a person. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that depends on whether you ask me now or 10 years ago. Uh, I would have at one time told you a lot of different things. I think as a person, I'm just kind of, you know, my own little free spirit bouncing around kind in my own of, drum. Kind of all over the place. <laughs> I, don't, I used to have all kinds of rules that regulated my life and all these things I thought I'd do or not do. And now everything I thought I wouldn't do, I probably do. And everything I thought I would do, I don't care about anymore. Mm. So I think I'm just kind of, you know, the ultimate free spirit at this point in my life. I think a lot of us are getting to that point, though. Like We're just done. (laughs) I think COVID's been really good for that in a lot of people, though. I think it's made us um, look at our lives again and say, what's really what what really matters? Because it isn't there. (laughs) I I listen to 80s punk. And what's the song? (laughs) Um, Birth, school, work, death. Uh, don't ask me who's here right now because I can't think of it. But that would be, I mean, that's been everyone's attitude for so long. I think COVID readjusted that. Yeah, yeah. it's put a lot of stuff into perspective for sure. Yeah, cool. and, and good things and bad things. And I think it washed out a lot of things that we didn't even know were cluttering up and, mm. and weighing our lives down. Yeah, I think COVID, um, the advent of TikTok and other social medias like that have been really helpful because now people are getting a glimpse into like how other people live and they're like, oh, I, I like that. I want to do that too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of spreading. It's been a really cool thing. All right. Um, I think we should probably just dive right on in. All right. Anybody? So uh, in the beginning of your book, you explain that these stories are your answers to the mysteries behind women's photos found in unique uh, antique shops. So what inspired you to seek out and produce the voices of the women that you ultimately may not have had any experience about? Uh, You know, so I'm a little bit of a nerd. Now I'm a lot of a nerd, (laughs) particularly a culture nerd. I love culture, and I love anything related to how people live every day. I mean, I read history all the time, but the truth is the only thing you really read about women historically were women of substance. Mm. I mean, I have a mad love for, like, Tudor England, but everything's based on wealthy women, and we can only guess. And I I was one day I was standing in an antique shop looking at a painting, and the painting was a Victorian woman, and it was very beautiful, but her face was so sad. And from that moment, and I actually took a picture of it, and from that moment I'm always like, what were these women really thinking? I mean, they were literally powerless, and they were property. Yeah. And I always wondered, like, what were they doing? So I started reading, and I couldn't find much. And I began to delve into the cultures and understood so many more things. Um, They talk about diaries. Everyone's like, well, everyone kept a diary. Well, sure they did, except that I found out that women were often very particular about their diaries because it was their legacy to their families. Mm, right. Right? So not everything went into it. A little more uppity and a little bit more... It's the highlight reel. It, yeah. It basically is. It's, I guess, their version of the social media mm-hmm. event. It's, here's all the good things. When it talked about difficult things, it, it wasn't raw and it wasn't real. Mm. I think that the only time the raw came out was maybe between friends. Right. And so I, I was just fascinated with the concept that no one had ever really gone deep into the heads that way right. to try to create something that might have actually happened. 
Interesting. Well, that, that kind of actually leads up to the second question I had because it, it really kind of makes you think about what you label, I think it was in the, the, um, the very beginning of the book, is about the good old days. So what did you find in your research? Uh, <laughs> uh, or maybe are there examples that you could think of that really um, made these women's lives so difficult? Like what, I mean, obviously we know patriarchy has been a thing, but what kind of specific examples or things that you can think of that really um, you found that just kind of restricted these women from voicing out their opinions in their journals, their diaries, and um, what, what did you discover? Um, well, this will probably somewhere along there, if someone asks how I did the research, I'll just say this will probably step into that realm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so one of the things I discovered um, early on when I was just, I was actually researching a thing for my college paper, so it would have been about 10 years ago because, you know, I was one of those old ladies in college. And I found out that um, aside from criminal records and most of history, there isn't much on women, right? So I decide, how am I going to find the stories? Because I'm not going to lie, I like dark, I like dark humor. <laughs> yeah, we, we've become very familiar with your dark Edward Gorey, <laughs> anyone that's interested best writer in the world, the beastly baby holds my heart. Edward Gorey is like the author the literary version, I guess you could call it, of Tim Burton for those who don't oh, know. Oh, okay. But you don't like Tim Burton. I don't think he's dark enough maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I just something. don't get into it. <laughs> I, but Gorey is, is obvious when you read his stuff. He just looked at humanity. I always think of him as like a, a comic book version of Poe. Yeah, hmm. that, that's a very apt description. He holds a, a broken mirror up to society. Yeah. And and I like that. I mean, um, but I started doing the research, and so I found out uh, if I took places that I was interested in setting my voices, because I wanted it in the U.S., and I'm very careful, and I should blanket this with, there are certain things I did not delve into, even though I'm sure there are stories in my head I could create. I stayed out of people of color story. That's not mine to tell. Um, I stayed out of uh, people that might have been in the LGBTQ community. Don't ask me why. I just totally transverse those letters. Dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. Um, but uh, I stayed out of their stories as much as I actually have a couple of pictures that I really think might be their voices. And mm. who knows, someday I might delve into it, but I would only do it with someone of that community directing it. Mm -hmm. I stayed out of uh, Native Americans. And I think that was just a respect. But sure. as I started to research, I was like, okay, so where do I want this set? I'm I'm from Pittsburgh area, right outside of Pittsburgh. We're the foothills. It's like the Paris of Appalachia, I guess. That's a, such <laughs> a strange... In, up in the mountains. <laughs> I mean, Pittsburgh is Billy Goat country, but um, I was starting to look at that, and I wanted to kind of stay with the region I was familiar with to start. So I'd pick a little town, and I'd go to the historical society for that town, and I couldn't find anything. Mm. And I was getting frustrated, and then one day I was just like scrolling through, I don't even remember, some town in Ohio. And I clicked their haunted tours. And so when I clicked their haunted tours, I started getting stories. Oh, they, that's they, cool. They do all the research for you. Exactly. Because Copy, paste. <laughs> women are often not discussed outside of criminal records uh, at that right. time. Right. So, <laughs> because well-behaved women seldom make history. 
and and some of these were pretty pretty cool um <laughs> i admire the fortitude so i uh started looking at their ghost stories and found out you can find out what kind of crimes happen and when you find out what kind of crimes happen then of course you can research i have a this is gonna sound funny i have an ancestry membership i almost never look up my family because it's so confusing <laughs> but with it comes the newspapers subscription in that and i can then go look up the stories and they go all the way back you know as far as the paper and that's how i started finding ideas because almost all of them are based on not exactly but i've used the information i've gotten from a lot of the crimes or a lot of the situations that went on in the towns right and little towns are fun to find yeah really scandalous stuff well, I was going to – that brings me – I'm sorry to interrupt your question, but that, that leads me to – because I, I grew up in a small town. I, I grew up in like an 800 maybe population town in East Texas. Uh, did you find there to be a lot more story to find within those smaller communities than in the bigger ones, even though there's less resource? Like just kind of – I guess more enriching stories. Um, because, because in small I, towns you have that more talkative, more you know, close-knit group of people. I think small towns are really proud of their lore. Yeah. I think that's what it is. So where I'm from, um, Beaver County is just outside of Pittsburgh. It's a bunch of small towns. Mm. I mean, like our towns are so... My dad lived in Fair Oaks, which was Allegheny County, I think. And across the street was Ambridge, which was Beaver County. So, I mean, that'll tell you how closely our towns all run together. It's yeah. just this long line. And... Uh, they're so each little district, each little place is so proud of their own folklore and what makes them better than the block over. So you could really find a lot of little things in there mm-hmm. because people play it up. It's also in a world where small towns are overlooked by tourism and tourism is your economy. Yeah. Um, that's where the ghost stories came in. People started their haunted tours or if something happened in this area. Yeah. And you can see it. Terry and I take road trips all the time, and I see it along the highway all the time. Anything to get people in. <laughs> so I think that that was the thing because they preserve it better. They build right. their stories better. And when I say build them, they use them, you know, to create a whole – and a prime example is uh, – the town Lizzie Borden, and I just flew out of my head, but where Lizzie Borden was, of course, they've got like a whole museum and everything. Yeah. Well, because we're fascinated with the macabre. All of us are, and people who say they aren't lie. Look, our last <laughs> podcast was about true crime, so we understand. We get it. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's my thing. So. Well, yeah, so basically that boils into my next question, which was how did you do your research? Obviously, like you said, you went to the historical uh, small town websites, but on top of that, that stuff, you have to. Okay, so dating the pictures became my biggest challenge, and mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh, well, just go by the clothes or whatever. But in small towns and rural areas, and particularly early in the nineteen hundreds, like 30, 40 years behind, they could keep the same clothes for a long yeah. time. <laughs> so I got really um, frustrated at times. So then I started looking at hair. Hair gave a lot away. Hairstyles mm. for women tend to give a lot of information. Sure. And there were little things like I have one picture. I had such a hard time dating it because the guys wearing a skinny tie, but the women are in clothes that look Edwardian. Mm. 
but in the 20s in rural areas, flappers and stuff right. weren't running around the small towns. They right. were still pretty yeah, traditional. What, what we know is the 1920s women's fashion was high fashion, and this this is uh, a little, little more specific set. Yeah, a little yeah. more rural. So it was it was um, it was interesting. And then I also ever since I was a young teen, I have collected books on how women, like I have one called Viva Lore. It's a perfect 20th century woman. It was written in 1904. It was like scandalous. I mean, it has anatomy in it. It has everything. <laughs> and I'm right. The 1904 OnlyFans. <laughs> this is, you know, 1904, and they tell the women not to wear corsets, which at the time was a really <gasps> controversial thing. Really? Interesting. And so I'm going through all of these, and I use those for um, giving lifestyle information, like what would be the expectation for the women to do, or how do they actually, mm. as opposed to what they actually did. Right. There were a lot of kids tied to chairs, by the way, and fences. They probably kids. deserved it. it would, who knew that the way that they would keep track of their kids while they were trying to work, whether in fields or whatever, is to tie them to something. Well, I guess they're not running off getting killed. I mean, it's the same thing you do with, like, a dog. You put the little post out in the in the field, and you're like, all right, Junior, I'm going to go pick some corn. You stay right here. I kid you not. I read a story about a tenement in New York where the woman and her mother worked. There was no man of the household, whether he died or whatever. And this was in, like, 1890-something. And this woman, in order to work, and her mother, they worked, like, 12-hour shifts, would tie the kids to a chair in the kitchen and have the neighbor check them once or twice a day. And they were like six. They were like four and six, and this was perfectly acceptable. I understand the temptation. It reminds me of the the baby cage. (laughs) This was exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) The baby cage. Have you seen those? In the the apartments, they had like those little baby cages. On the windows? Yes. Wow. Yeah. How do we how do we get here? How did how did America survive, <laughs> bro? I don't know. You know, even just between my generation and now is, yeah, mind blowing. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, baby cages and tying your children to a chair, what are some of the most <laughs> sorry? What are some of the most interesting details that you found in your research? Like the individual details, like something that just stuck out to you. I think. Some of the things that stuck out to me, particularly reading um, like transcripts and things, whether, uh, first of all, the mental health issues, uh, women who had opinions were just dropped into asylums a lot of times, or if, or if a man wanted to own their property, or, I mean, and everyone likes to think that that wasn't in the U.S., but it absolutely yeah, was. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, the idea that... Um, a woman mourning her children. I think this is one that really stuck with me is when women mourned their children dying. And, and you're talking about a time where if you had five children and two survived, yeah, was, you were doing great. It was common, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where my grandmother was born and that was in 1912. They didn't even register their children until a year after they were born. Mm. They had to get through that first year. Yeah. So I think, and so women who maybe mourned their children too long or something, they were diagnosed with like melancholy or something and institutionalized. And it was horrific. It wasn't wow. just the criminally insane when you read about Nellie Bly. I mean, it was horrific. Yeah. There was a, a long list I just pulled up of reasons to uh, commit a woman in like the early 1900s to mental institutions. Some of these are uh, jealousy and religion. 
um, egotism, fighting fire, <laughs> nymphomania, which that makes sense. I mean, if you got to put her away for that, right? Um, politics. <laughs> politics. Mm-hmm. If a woman talks politics, you can have her committed. So asthma. Let that one sink in, Tim. <laughs> if a woman has asthma. But you notice this is if women have asthma, not if men do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My like favorite. somehow be having somehow having a female form makes asthma all of a sudden like a hysteria instead of a medical condition. <laughs> My favorite two are desertion by husband. So if the husband leaves her, she can be committed because you must have done it's her wrong. fault, right? Yeah. And this one's specifically for the adjective deranged masturbation. I don't know Nowadays, what that means. I think that was Fifty Shades, but <laughs> I don't know what that means. But she could be committed for that, whatever it is. <laughs> also, gunshot wound is on this list. <laughs> it is. Um, it it was really interesting. Uh, it wasn't just the mental institutions, though. Uh, places where they sent unwed mothers to have children. Um, places where women were treated. For certain conditions, I mean, just this whole regime of ice cold baths and all these things, and you're sitting there going, "This is horrifying." And yet, um, and yes, men did get sent away, but at the numbers, yeah, it was women. The same rate. It's yeah. definitely it was not women, the same rate. and it was to keep us in our place, which mm-hmm. seems to be the theme in the U.S. of people now. in power. Yeah, a hundred percent, one hundred percent. Don't let that woman think too much of herself. But it's just amazing to me to read, and yet. One of the things I wanted to do with this book, and I've been asked to do more, and I don't know. I don't know that the voices will ever leave. Um, I wanted people to see that the struggles haven't gone away. Mm. Everybody keeps saying they've gone away. We go mm. back to that good old days thing. It depends on who you were, how good those old days. I mean, if you were like a middle-aged, born in the U.S., no accent, white man, it might have been... With money. A- and it, you could earn money, though, if you were a white guy that could pull off you weren't Catholic or, you know, of Jewish descent or what have you. You at least had options. And so for them, it might have been a really good time. But for most people, it was just really hard. For two out of the three people at the table here. I, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm disabled, too. So we sit and look at that. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. I, I can't hear, so that would have been a reason to put me in an institution. Yeah, 100%. Wow. I mean, I mean that and you think, so. It, it's terrifying, <laughs> right? All right. Uh, well, next question then. You are, I would say, a well-traveled person. You've been all over the place. You, you like you in said, the you U.S., and, I should you say. You and Terry take road trips all the time. Um, how would you say that your travels and the people that you have met have impacted your writing, specifically with voices, but just in general, your writing? So my trips actually, a lot of them generated out of my ideas. We go to a lot of the places. Um, That's how we ended up in Trinidad, Colorado. Yeah. One of my voices is set there. I didn't know things about it. And I was like, oh, I got to go to this place. And now what I had read on some of the, the information, I'm just warning you, if you ever look at my search history... Yeah, whatever. Don't think about it. I'm a writer. but uh, It's a scary search history, truthfully. I've seen it. it it's not just scary. I Terry mean, it's, should worry. It's, 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 um, it's really questionable. <laughs> so, How to get away with murder. No, How to no, bury no, a body. No, where it's to more bury like, a body. Um, How much does lie cost? <laughs> where, where were the most brothels? That was a big one. Actually, I found... Um, 
What was the life of sex workers like in the 1800s? Um, yeah. <laughs> what about, um, you know, if you ever read about the blue laws in New York, well, they, they kind of were everywhere, but New York was a big one. You know, one of the things I was interested in, because I did start to delve into what made, I had this, I have this one picture, and I'm not going to lie, I really think it might have been someone that was transgender at the time. Mm. Um, and I thought, what a fascinating story. But I won't touch it. It's not mine to tell. But still, I started looking it up. It's actually how I found one of my favorite podcasts was I wanted to read about what were the attitudes towards sex workers, what was the attitude. And it's funny, um, nobody really cared. They just expected them to exist. Yeah, we put a lot of values from like the 1950s on older times, but the 50s is really when it started becoming a big deal to be the like centralized American family, you know, two kids, a dog, a white picket fence. Like, before that, families were very different. People thought very differently. Well, there was also the big issue that um, in the early 1900s, there were a series of revivals, religious revivals mm -hmm. and everything. And they really impacted. Thanks, Billy Graham. How they, how they, if people started living. They were, they weren't necessarily, and you know, neither here nor there as far as was it right, was it wrong. I'm, I'm one of those people that believe. I understand we have some basic things when you're you're starting to infringe on another person's human rights. You have just crossed the line. That's yeah. where laws live. Um, but as far as what you choose and how you worship and all that is different. But it became this public theme, this fervor. And, of course, after the darkness of World War One and all the horror, and then you see all the young people losing their minds in the 20s right. while the older people are. And it's because it was such a time of darkness and loss. And I think that uh, we tend to want to um, remove the dirt oh, from yeah. the sidewalks and that. Oh, but the yeah. problem is, when we do that, we lose the richness of who and what we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big part of it. My question. Um, so what, ha what inspiration have you found both in your research, but also do you feel like other women, especially in this new generation, can find inspiration in this book and in these stories? I think that women today are strong, but we have more ability to speak it and live it. Um, but there's still a long way to go. <laughs> um, a long way to go. But I think that it is amazing, as I started uh, digging into things, is women had very little option. You, there were about four paths you could go. Mm -hmm. All of them very limited. And looking at that, uh, I'm amazed by the resilience of women who did things... You know, when I started reading about the the wagon trains and the the one voice, her name's Cassie. And just so people know, I mean, these, there's 30 different flash fiction stories. So you've got 30 different characters, but they're all fully developed in like 1,500 words or under. So you're, yeah. Yeah. you're playing with a lot of different places. But there's one um, I did, Cassie, and when I was reading about the crossings, and I read about that in school and stuff, and I had heard about it all my life. I mean, I read Little House on the Prairie, didn't we all? But to read the realities of the hardships of moving across the country um, and, and what they faced, uh, and the number of them that did things that by today's standards would be considered so scandalous. I mean, 
they'd hook up with someone. Uh, you know, someone's <laughs> wife might die on the trail. Someone's husband might die on, die on the trail. They just hook up and, you know, they just pretend they're married. And there's no, <laughs> I, I mean, nobody questioned it. Right. Nobody thought anything of it or burying their children and um, eating each other. Well, that, we're not all donors. But <laughs> <laughs> not all of them, but some of them were. That was, they say that wasn't as common as we might think. However, I also found out that there were quite a few women who, by any definition, would be serial killers. <laughs> I believe it. There was a chicken, there was a woman in Kansas that used to like board for people who were getting ready to cross the Rockies. And the borders always disappeared and she'd have all their equipment so that she could sell it to the next people <laughs> yep she was killing them and feeding them to the pigs her kids are who told the people yep makes sense i mean like i mean literally she, she should have turned that into a business truthfully like hey if you're a woman and you don't like your husband and he wants to make you move across the country come on by my boarding house <laughs> but I mean she would take these guys that were going across I think I'm also amazed the number of men who went west and literally went and built new lives and left and just abandoned families mm. and now you know with the ancestry and 23andMe they're finding their <laughs> yeah. families and they're like wait we thought he died but they didn't and it went on all the way through the depression yeah it was, it was, it, I mean, it still happened after that, but it was very common all the way up till then. I've heard a few stories of people like that. There's one guy that I think had like six different families. He just, every three or four years did that. He just abandoned his wife and kids and started a new family. I imagine, you know, maybe that was how the men were practicing birth control. I don't know. Just leave them, and now I don't have to deal with them. I don't know. I, it's a, but yeah. that really was part of it. A lot of the men didn't want tied down to families. They didn't like the noise. You know, birth control wasn't just a revolution for women. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody was paying for all of those kids at the time. So it's really interesting to read about their resilience um, and the decisions they were faced with. I mean, women were faced with some pretty... Thing. You'd be a sweatshop worker or a factory worker. You know, abominable hours. Your kids would have to go to pennies on the dollars. Your other options may be a teacher, but that was if you had been kept in school to yeah. learn. Yeah, and you had to pass the exams and all of that. And if you weren't a person in your town that had the proper reputation, it didn't matter how smart you were. They would never let you teach their children. Right. And if you did anything that was questionable, you'd be fired. Yeah. So familiar. a lot of them were hookers. Yeah, I mean, do what you got to do, get that back. It was the best option for them to own something. And a lot of them, as as um, sex workers would then, after their time, if they were wise um, and save money, which it just depended, there there was a lot of addiction and abuse and right. early death. Which you would imagine. Oh, well, I just want to say, too, by the way, Y'all, drug addiction is not new. <laughs> no. I love when people say, we have, like, these epidemics. I'm like, golly, the use of morphine after, yeah, um, right. you know, particularly after the Civil War, morphine use just, like, shot through the roof. Um, but, you know, they'd move west then because out west they could own property. Yep. So it, it was interesting to see that, and I'm, I'm really impressed with the resilience to live as a second-class citizen and to yet still leave behind legacies that we as in this time can say wow yeah look what they did i think that's impressive yeah so as artists you generally 
in whatever body of work, there is a level of projection that you put onto your art and vice versa. So what in what ways have you seen that in both ways? Well, we don't have time for all the trauma <laughs> I've lived through. I'm just saying. We could do a separate podcast on trauma. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Yeah. Always more trauma. It, yeah. I mean, I, I did not always have the best of circumstances when I was younger, but there were some good things that came out of it. Um, but I can see the use of trauma and choice, definitely. You know, what choice do you do and what do you do to survive? Mm. Or how do you deal with the really difficult things? Or uh, I go back to that one Cassie where she's, I mean, she's buried her kid on the trail. She's gone through all this trauma. And yet she's sitting there thinking about maybe next year we can actually build a house and get out of the ground because they're living in Saudi. So I think there's... um, I think there's definitely that trauma thing in there and that yeah. ability to look at it and just make the best out of what's happened. You know, you don't get many choices on what's handed to you. Right. So then you got to figure it out. And what we would consider maybe a bad choice or a terrible thing to do or whatever, we're not the ones standing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is, I'm not going to lie, I'm also really impressed with the number of women that were able to do their husbands in that were exceptionally abusive. I mean, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> there were a lot. There was a lot of that, and they didn't right. get caught. I would imagine so. Murder was probably really easy before DNA. I don't know if it was easy. I mean, they still the police still did, but I am amazed at how much more common it was than I thought of 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 casual ways, unless police were called in for things. Communities kind of handled that stuff on their own. There is a, a story that Janelle really likes, which worries me a little bit. But She is my daughter. There's a woman that like slowly poisons her husband like <laughs> over time. And she just gets like the greatest amount of joy out of knowing what's about to happen. <laughs> like when he dies, he's just gone. She's just like, yeah, it happened. My husband's dead. There was a woman in England that did that with numerous husbands. And she just moved from district to district. <laughs> She'd collect their life insurance, and, and she just moved from district to district, and it took them, I think she went through like five before they caught her. Wow. I mean, it's one way to be on your own. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, look, we, we are all about women here at the, at the Always More podcast, and whatever you got to do, baby. No, do I'm not saying that because nobody's coming after me. I'm just saying it's what look, we look in, at. In is, 30 years, if you haven't killed Terry by now, you're not going to. That's what I keep telling them. <laughs> that's what I keep telling them. I'm like, baby, you're okay. From what I understand, he has been the same person since you guys met. If you haven't killed him by now, he's probably got at least another 30 years to go. I told him I need entertainment. (laughs) And just so people know, I am married to one of the craziest but most amazing humans on earth. But he is nuts. (laughs) In a good way, usually. But he's nuts. (laughs) I never know what he's doing next. (laughs) All right. uh, Speaking of projection, do you have a favorite voice out of the 30 some odd that you have in the book there? A favorite. Because um, I can tell you right now, mine is Flora. Oh, well, I love Flora because she was my first one, mm-hmm. and she was fun. But the one that haunts me because I know she's probably a million little girls that existed was Leah. Mm. Leah was the one when I did the research on her. And I don't want to give away, like, every story, but... Sure. Uh, well, just, just this one. But... Just one. <laughs> but 
Just but Leah, um, her her mother is in the sex industry, and she is being groomed to follow through. She's a child that's used first um, for the men and then groomed. And I think the reason I wanted to do that is it's little things. Um, what's the musical, Gigi? Okay. Oh. Marie Cheval- uh, um Don't ask me to say anything French. I massacred. I'm from Pittsburgh. Uh, Chevrolet. Whatever. And um, I think it's Leslie Karen. Anyways, she's a very young girl that's being groomed to be the mistress of this older man. Mm-hmm. And and we've made it this great musical that everyone loves. Right. So I kind of took that concept, and I showed you the real side of it, that dark side. Yeah. Um, mm. For people that are just listening and not watching, Leah kind of looks like Eleven from Stranger Things. Little uh, Millie Bobby Brown there. Oh, uh, yeah. A little resemblance. Like from season one or two. And it's it's insane that these girls are going through that. Like, they're real people that went through that. And obviously well, and they're this, still going through it. Yeah. Right. I think that's the thing. We still have people that are grooming these very young children to do this. And we somehow, we skip that part. We, we say that it's wrong, but then we idolize these weird relationships we see, whether it's mm. in movie stars or mm. whether we, um, you know, Gigi or, you know, all the different books that are on that. And, and you sit there and you wonder, when did that become entertaining? Like something to see as a happy-go-lucky, fun thing to watch. And I, I think that, so doing the research for her was really hard. Like that that one weighed on me because I started delving into like the records of, of understanding that people didn't even really have a child abuse system. Yeah. yeah. But... There was just, nobody they could turn to. Or, or reading accounts, or, you know, the Smithsonian has a thing where they have a lot of older people just recorded interviews. I did interview a lot of older people, too, that I knew. Or if I would send questions to someone that had an aunt or cousin or whatever that was much older. Some of the answers and things were heartbreaking. Mm. And I had asked them very specifically when I did it, please do not, like, just, like, make it all sound good. Yeah. I mean, I want people to understand the struggle, Not the reality live. of it. Right. Yeah, we do have a terrible habit of not. I find okay, so I find that a lot of my friends that are um, from Europe and England tend to appreciate the stories more than most, and I think it's because they're not quite so in need of that happy-go-lucky all the time thing. Yeah, like their history is long and dark, and they know it and they accept it, and They've they don't try to, to hide it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Leah, though, she kind of, like, she gave me nightmares doing that research. Reading some of the things I did was really hard. Mm. Yeah, I would mm. imagine so. Um, okay, so you brought this up earlier. As a minority writer myself, you know, sometimes I find it difficult to tell a story involving other people, but more specifically involving my people sometimes is hard. Um, did you have any of that while writing about women? So I'll tell you now that everything I wrote, I questioned myself like 40 times. Um, (laughs) As a good writer does. I mean, are you really a writer if you're not riddled with self-doubt? Are you really a writer if you haven't deleted everything you've written? (sighs) Or at least burned it once. Yeah. Yeah, um, (laughs) You know, thankfully, this is the first thing I've ever written consistently where I didn't destroy any files. Or even my, I write everything longhand first, and then I dictate it into my phone. Mm Because I hate to type, and I'm really bad at it. So I dictate into my phone, or I use... My husband got me a rocket book a couple years ago. 
Um, Revolutionary. Mm, excuse wow. me, your husband? Yeah, my husband got me the rocket book. Yeah, we also helped. Okay, everyone got me a rocket book. <laughs> we all went into that. Wait, what does Jordan say? Say you're the favorite without saying you're the favorite. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> no, but okay, so they got me this rocket book. And it's a notebook, and you just write in it longhand. You can, oh. you have to print, or if you're going to write, you can't do full cursive, but I tend to connect my printing. Mm-hmm. And so then you take the picture, and it transitions it to text. Yeah, yep. yeah. I have to write longhand. I don't know what it is. I have to write it and rewrite it. It's how my brain works. Mm. Excuse me. So um, I, I think that that was a huge help, but... Everything I do, I question. Everything I do, I find impossible. Every story I wrote, I was sitting there going, I haven't necessarily lived this. I think that the one thing you can take when you're writing is everyone's dealt with some sort of trauma in their life. And and how that has impacted them is, you know, you've seen the pictures of, you know, like a little kid and a grown-up walking through the mud and the kid's got mud to his waist and the grown-up's got it to, you know, just above the ankles type of thing. I mean, it's... Yeah. We're all in the same thing, sure, but it's not going to impact us all the same. So I think that we all can connect to trauma. We can all connect to joy. We can all connect to pain and choices. So I had to take it from that perspective. And I want to say that it actually took me a year longer to finish this than I planned, and it was literally crippling self-doubt. Just crippling. So, I mean, it is what it is. Well, I guess, and I guess my question for that then is within all that self-doubt and all the refiguring things out, did you try to dabble with other genres or styles, you know? I already starting? have. I'm already working on a memoir, um, series of essays. I have oh, okay. found that today's readers, not everyone, but if you're trying to attract younger readers, um, it's not the same as it used to be. They don't all want big, long books. They tend to read in smaller spurts, shorter attention span. Whether it's good or bad is not even an issue to me. It's just that it's how people read it just now. just is what it is. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I can't care. tell you how many articles I've read in the past week, but I can tell you I have not read an actual full book in years. Like, if it's not audiobook, I probably don't have time to sit down and, and read it. And I read it. both, but I think part of the thing, one, I've always been a big reader, but my other thing is, is I don't hear well, so audio mm. learning is, I mean, I do it, but... I have to really concentrate right. to to do that. Um, and I think that, where was I at here on this? So when they read, they're reading things that are shorter. And so when I do my writing, I try to make everything kind of, I don't want to say it's all flash fiction, it's not. Mm-hmm. But I try to keep it in um, almost like blog length. Okay. To the point. Yeah, just to to keep people's interest. Yeah. And so the memoirs I'm working on right now are about my own childhood growing up. They actually, I, I started writing because even my kids weren't fully aware of everything that I had gone through as a kid. And so I started writing them just so that they were there. Yeah. And it's been interesting because my family, I mean, my mom's still alive and there was a lot connected to that situation but i let her read them before i you know do anything with them um i mean it i don't know what to say to people when they're like oh that's horrible she's still alive well she knows what she did she was there. <laughs> she knows she knows um she knows the impact she knows 
you know, all the things that happened and how it impacted us. But I think that I have to be clear, too, without... We tend to look for villains and heroes in stories. Right, right. And, And in real life... It's very rarely well, that black and white. We're all a little bit of both. Yeah. Everybody's somebody's villain. Yeah. Mm. And you can at the same time be one person's hero while you're being a villain to someone right, right next 100%. to them. Right. And it, it has a lot to do with relational interaction, and it, that's all deeper. But I, I do think that, um, you know, people need to maybe start putting their stories together if not for other people but for themselves mm. there's a lot of healing that can happen in that too yeah mm. it's a like lot of nightmares too but i mean those go away oh yeah <laughs> it's like taking stupid walks for your mental health it's just kind of just good to get it out and just yeah. kind of good to stretch out and, and it's good to let your emotions and feelings come out and pin and it is cathartic but also like you guys did your whole deconstruction thing and i think there's a lot of us that have gone through that process whether they're younger or older or whatever that's been a huge thing in our life too but um there's something incredibly healing about finding out that other people have walked those paths mm. with you and and until you yeah. uh, i just read a thing i had written a while back that says what i love about writing is i get to share my soul with other people and what i hate about writing is that share i share my soul <laughs> with other people yep and so I, I mean, it's it's that conundrum. It never goes away. And I really believe some of us were just born to write stories, right? Or write. And I do think that that's because it's something I've always wanted to do, yeah. even if that never goes well. Which I actually think it's pretty darn good after reading <laughs> it. After I was all done and it was printed, but um, it was my dream um, at a very very young age. I think I was probably six when I wanted to write my first book. Oh wow. Um, I can't remember ever not wanting to write. So it was a dream. It was something I did. And you know, my husband, he's great. Because everything that was dreams, Terry's just like, do it, do it. He's, he's very I, supportive. I was, yeah. He is hugely supportive. And my husband um, loves ball breaker women, as he calls them, <laughs> obviously. He raised a pretty good one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my girls are, they are forces of nature. And he likes to remind people, I'm not exactly a pushover. I like to think I'm very sweet, but evidently I'm a little scary. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but still, I think that it's been great because he's watched me realize my dreams. But even my kids, they're all, you guys are all, you know, around 30 or 30. I think. Janelle's 29 now. She, you'll be 30 in February. I'm already 30. You're 30? I'm 31. I can never February. track it. There's too many of y'all now. <laughs> there's like six. we've gone from... Three kids to there's six adults and there's like nine little kids and there's like I can't track it. <laughs> I understand my mother's yeah, that's fair. never pulling a date up thing more. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, but all of you are on that age, but I think it's important for your kids to see you pursue your dreams even when you mm. get older. We have a really weird society that thinks like once you hit like forty everything ends. Mm. And then we have the other ones that totally deny that you change at 40, which you absolutely start changing as you get older. But, I mean, so at 51, I released my first. Actually, I released it the week after my birth, 51st wow. birthday. So Awesome. Great. All right. Well, I guess uh, last question before we jump into the rapid fires. Will there be a volume two of Voices? This is what the people want to know. Do you know how many people have actually emailed me or messaged me and asked exactly that? Give me more. They either want more of the voices, but also the other thing is, is they want me to turn each voice into a novel. Wow. 
So I will lay it out there that my ultimate dream would be some really amazing screenwriter would pick it up. You, you me, literally like, in my head. You okay, could this do could like, a, a, like a Tom Clancy type thing. Yes. Well, I don't know. I just think it would be a really interesting like series or something. Mm-hmm. Where it's like Colleen yeah. Saffron's voices written by whoever. Um, you could just call it, give away the rights if you'll pay off my house. <laughs> See, I'm <laughs> telling you, bro. I'm telling you. We will sell out to today for significantly less money than you think. No, I was going to say, yeah, 200 grand, I'd be done. I'd just hand it to you. That's always my favorite thing. Like, oh, I, I would I sell out it, for a million dollars. I'd sell out for 10 million. No, significantly less. Half. I just don't want a mortgage anymore. So anyone that could help me with that. <laughs> no, seriously, that would be a dream, but... um. Are there more? I don't think they're ever going to leave me. I think that somehow I'll continue them. I'm not sure how that'll play out yet. Have you written any more since you published the book? Only one, but I can't release her. Can I have it? No. <laughs> it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. No. That's all right. I'll see you in writing group. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into some rapid fire questions then. Just some fun ones for the, for the people. All right. Let's do it. You ready? I am always ready. All right. Uh, who is your favorite author? Edgar Edward Lee Masters. Beautiful. Edgar Lee Masters did Spin River Anthology, and if you've never read it, you need to. <laughs> we'll put that on the list. If you could go anywhere in the world to get away and just write for a few days, where would you go? If you ask me that tomorrow, it's going to be different than today. Today, I would say a mountain in West Virginia and a cabin. With air conditioning, please. Wow. No, I really love the... <laughs> I'm a rivers, home. lakes, and mountains girl. I'm not an ocean girl. Two so days. white noise drives me nuts. Mm. Um, so, But I, I do... Uh, Terry's uh, aunt and uncle own a place in West Virginia with a treehouse Airbnb. It is wow. literally wow. a house in a tree. I would go stay there. It's beautiful. We need, we need to take an always more retreat. We'll do that. Always more vacation. Just be yeah. careful back there, Chris. Yeah, I, oh, I, I got to watch. <laughs> Never like, mind. I'll tell you what. You go book the place, and I'll just show up. You well, tell me where it, it is. I'll I drive mean, there. his aunt and uncle are great people, but I'm just saying you're talking but way the town, backwards. <laughs> the town. Uh, okay, so what are your top three genres to read? Historical. Historical fiction. <laughs> I should make that clear. Very different. I read really, like, I read massive tome books. I've read all of Ken Follett's. I love Edward Rutherford, which is these, like, mm-hmm. thousand-page tomes. I've read all of his. I'm actually finishing up China right now. So historical historical fiction, but it better be really good historical fiction. And please. Because it's not always good. No. No, and for God's sake, <laughs> please don't give me romance. Um, <laughs> and my other one would be... Um, I like, and I'm not sure what they would be considered, but like sagas that follow families through history. Mm, okay. Like a like a family saga that'll take you through, you know. The lineage stories. Yeah, I like stuff like that. I'm interested in like day-to-day life. and then So, so basically read, all history. I read a lot of cultural history. Like I have some books that I think are supposed to be textbooks for some class. <laughs> like on the kingdom of Bohemia and the... <laughs> Like, I love things that are the history of why we do things. Mm. Or um, Why do I collect these people in my life? The Worst Plagues in History. That was actually one of my favorite books. Those are fun, yeah. She loves that. You're a big history guy. Harley has a degree in history. These are the people that I collect. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe because I think 
when people are fans of history too, though, we're harder to BS. We're like, when people start telling us how things are working, I'm like, that's probably obviously you are not reading much. I'm so good at BSing that I like the challenge. That's probably it. All right, next question. What do you do when you're not writing? I sew. Wow. Just... No, like, I sew. No, no, if you come, I love sewing. I do it as a side gig. I make custom clothes. My grandkids have some of the coolest clothes. That is absolutely true. My grandkids have some of the. You actually just brought me some extras for our trip. Uh, Yeah, I just made Ellie two rompers for the. Fix my shorts. I do sew a lot. I love to cook. Janelle comes by that honestly. That runs all through my family. My father was a chef. I love to eat. So when we moved away from Pittsburgh and I found out that the rest of the world eats like soggy meat and potatoes, I had to. (laughs) Well, everywhere the army sent us was like in the middle of the country, and I discovered that it maybe wasn't. What I was used to. It's so different now. Food Network changed everything. This was, you know, yeah. back in. Before Food Network. Yeah, it was Before really different. Before Chopped. Everything yeah, was Yeah, I'm just not a, like. Before Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, I had to learn to, 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 I already knew how to cook, but, I mean, that was something. So I like to do that. And I guess the other thing I can say, and, and Christopher will back me up here, is wine on the back porch watching birds and squirrels. Hey. That's super fun. Yeah. That's so relaxing. <laughs> My back porch, and now that we've had it totally redone, is like, it's it's bloody hot right now. I'm not going to lie, but. Get one of those outdoor fans, the Dysons. Right now, I feel like it'd just be like having hair <laughs> Just blow. <laughs> 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 yeah. So do you want hot air just blowing at you, or do you want hot air just sitting around you? <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather stay inside, truthfully. <laughs> no, it is, I would say, sitting on the back porch. Um, and the other thing, and Christopher can back this up, we love to have our kids over. We love to have the kids and the grandkids. And um, Terry, I mean, and he's not embarrassed by it. Terry can literally be moved to tears after our kids decide they just want to hang out with us and bring the grandkids. Mm. That's just because when we were young, that was the one thing we wanted more than anything in life was that when our children were raised, that they still wanted mm. relationships with us. Yeah, so. that's good. Uh, all right, so what would you believe, or what would you say was the best day of your life? And if it's not the day that I joined the family, I'm going to be a little upset. Suck it up, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Best day of my life. Chris came up with this question, I'm so I think he was fishing for that. Here. <laughs> um, no, uh, the best day of my life, honestly, was the day Terry came home from Desert Storm. So this would have been Yeah, I had to think about it because he he was in Korea for a year before he came home from Desert Storm. So by my second anniversary, Terry had lived overseas for 19 months. Mm. That'll tell you something. Um, I only had three months with him before Joshua was born and he was gone. So that day, because to me it was kind of like the day that my life, I guess you could say my adult life, started. Okay. Which, and according to my grandson, which it's getting close to being. <laughs> <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> that kid's a savage. Yeah, my, no, my grandson what, yesterday. You're 51, so you're dying soon. <laughs> no, my grandson and granddaughter were playing family in the pool yesterday, and uh, Joshua goes, okay, now I have to be an adult 
because at first he was the baby and Holiday was the mom, and then he was, you know, the kid. And he goes, now I have to be an adult, and then I have to die. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, what? He goes, I said, Joshua, when does that happen? He goes, oh, in about 50 years or so. I, I said, Joshua, I'm 51. He goes, well, I guess it's soon then. Oh. Maybe. <laughs> Joshua's brutal. Jeez. <laughs> Don't ask him unless you want to. Yeah, yeah don't, don't ask him questions unless you want to be hurt. <laughs> All right. Um, let, you said you like to cook and eat. What is your favorite food? Uh, Greek food. Greek, Middle mm. Eastern. Writer's feel. I, I mean, like anyone that comes to our house knows if it's Greek, Arabic, Lebanese, I'm all over it. I love the spices, love the flavors, love them. But honestly, all the food's my favorite because I really like to eat. <laughs> Same. I feel that. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess we are bringing this to a close. Let's do some final thoughts. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Um, I'll tell you something that really happened to me on this one was I kept saying, I don't want to self-publish. I don't want to self-publish. You know, that's like... No one really wants it. And then um, the woman that published this, actually, and I have to give Elaine a plug. Uh, she's amazing. And that's Elaine Pierce writing. I would say a couple things. One, invest in a writing coach if you're serious because you will quit. Mm. You will quit every day. You will not be consistent. You will not. I mean, you'll take something that could have taken you six months, and you will stretch it out to two years easy. Mm -hmm. and, and we all know this. So um, her and then there was another woman, Carmen Mendoza, and they were writing coaches for me. And uh, that made a world of difference. Mm. Surround yourself with other writers. Um, going to a, my local writing group literally revolutionized how I approached all that. Because prior to that... You know, I think writers have this arrogance. We're like, okay, I did all this blood, sweat, and tears to just write it out, so I don't need to edit it. That's how we start. And that's an immature early position. But as you go further into it, you find out there's a discipline and a craft and an art. You do have to edit it. You do need to take it apart. You do need to rethink your words. You do have to kill off the character or cancel your favorite line or redo it. Now, I will say... Don't ever throw any of them away because you never know. Um, I, and a prime example of this is so Flora is one of my first characters. She's the first character I ever did that was with the um, Writers Guild Initiative, did a thing with caregivers, and they gave us mentors, and we started doing that. And I did Flora, and then I was going to do a book on Flora. And then um, I started trying to play with that, and it just wasn't there. And then, uh, but Ruby's there in the background. You know Ruby existed. Mm-hmm. And I love that everybody kind of does a double take when they read the end of Flora because they're like, wait, did that just happen? <laughs> yeah. But it did. And so I think that um, I took some lines from actually Flora and I created Ruby. Mm. So don't ever throw away your words. It all goes somewhere. Keep them somewhere. Yeah. I call it the parking lot. Thank you, Tanya, wherever you are right now if you're listening because she gave me that idea of parking lots when we were working in nonprofit work. And a parking lot is where you put your ideas they're really good, but you're just not ready to drive that car yet. Yeah. So just park it. And so never get rid of any words that get you. So even if you just write like six lines, just don't get rid of them. Right. I think at this point I probably have a parking garage. Just a I, bunch of mine like is individual lines <laughs> and like titles of things. But and do you know how many of those things I started like pulling out of as I started doing this? I started pulling some mm. and I started saying, whoa. And sometimes maybe they didn't work for that. I have one picture that, dang it, I never got hurt. 
written. I, I, to this day, I just look at her and I'm like, I know what you I want you to be, but obviously you are not that. And when I and when I say they talk to me, like they talk to me. Yeah. Your characters become alive yeah. to you. Yeah. A hundred percent. I know it, it's almost like you mourn as you finish them. You're like, oh my gosh, they're not going to be in my life anymore. Uh, thankfully, I have a lot of family and friends who have joined me on this adventure who think it's like this coolest idea. And everyone I know when they go to antique shops now sends me snapshots <laughs> of pictures they see because that's what they think. Fine. And what an honor to think that just this random thing I thought was a way to occupy my time yeah. turned into something that inspires other people to start looking at it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that, Colleen, mother-in-law yes. of mine. Yes, <laughs> thanks for being here. Where can we find your book? On Amazon right now, I do have some copies. Uh, I'm getting ready to order a few more. I'm gonna, okay, y'all. I don't market well. <laughs> I write it, but I'm I can market anything but myself. <laughs> that I am learning quickly, um, but I'm going to start trudging around to some local shops and seeing if they'll let me put it in there. Mm, that'd be cool. That, just because I think there's an interest. Um, I think Especially people want town. something different. Yeah, I think people are. I love to read, and there's some great authors out there, but once you get to the point of 30 books, they all feel like a formula to me, and that doesn't mean they are. I mean, I am a huge Philippa Gregory fan, but it's almost like you want something different because you can tell a writer by their style, mm -hmm. yeah. and it's kind of like if you're always wearing, like, chinos, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, man, I think I want to try some jeans. You know, <laughs> it's, it's that same thing, so yeah. I'm hoping that it'll do something. Cool. Well, we do have a librarian on our Always More staff, so we'll see what we can do. I have some extras with me. <laughs> we got to figure out how to get it into the Dewey Decimal System. There you go. All right. Well, thank you so much thank for that you. interview, Colleen. Yes. We really appreciate you coming. Um, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, her book is called Voices. You can get it on Amazon. Check it out. And I guess now we will head back into another break. Yes, and, and we will have the link in our show notes. And everything. Oh, absolutely. So if they, yeah. if they want to find it, they can just... Look at our show Click notes on and the we'll be right there. All okay. 12 Thank of you. our listeners. <laughs> 12 weekly listeners. 12 All right. Um, I guess we'll be right back from this interview, coming back from a break, and we'll see you guys in a little bit. Don't go anywhere. think of the interview loved it i had fun yes truthfully. she's i was watching it from over there um i came in late i'm sorry friends um but oh my gosh she's just so eloquent in her answers she's a smart yeah. woman I was like, she, dude, she's probably one of the most intelligent people i know i'm obsessed yeah. obsessed and it was it was even better because like obviously i graduated with my uh degree in history and so like when she was talking about like a lot of the women's like rights and things at the time like i was like dude yeah harley's like i know that i know that <laughs> i know this stuff you're confirming it's, i'm hearing it in person because it's one thing to like research it yourself but like when other people know and you're yeah. like oh my god i'm not insane you guys we, could talk about it for hours hours <laughs> we, we, we need to just have our own history uh, episode that's what I we need swear. to do i swear i swear it yeah. needs to have a suit and we just need to 
Well, no, Chris actually knows a lot of history too, more than he lets on. I think I do. Yeah, like I know a lot about random things that you would not expect. Yeah, and I can deep dive, and what I don't know for a fact, I can BS my way through. And so even then, he'll somehow like tie it in with what we're already talking about. Yeah, he's like, oh well. Speaking of, it's my it's my talent, my my only talent. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. it's quite impeccable. Well, yes. Uh, Colleen Saffron voices. You yes. can find it on Amazon. We're putting it in the show notes. You have no choice. Also, it possibly going to do a giveaway. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. She signed it, guys. Um, well, the, well, we don't know what we're going to do to give correct to, to do it, but we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll give we'll, you guys uh, two weeks. We'll do this episode, and then the next episode will come out with what to do to win it. Yeah, we'll by, by the time this episode comes out, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it. Out. We would have figured out what we want to do. Yeah, because this is like three weeks away. Yeah, maybe if you just ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but can't hurt. <laughs> comment, please comment. <laughs> maybe we can do like a scavenger hunt throughout all the pods. Oh, interesting. Be like, what did we say at um, episode three? First person answer. Mm. Twenty-one fifty-two. I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you. We'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah. and it's gonna be good. So, or it won't <laughs> be. No, it's gonna be great. Don't let him. It's gonna be fantastic. Down to play it's us. Be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now we are gonna move into fan questions. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. So this is the part where we answer your questions. It sounds simple it's enough. Pretty simple segment. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so before we begin, though, we do have. The Always More Hotline. No one's used it in like three months. I was going to say, has anybody been using it? I don't think so. Come on, guys. Give us something. Tim Tim took time out of his day to set this phone number up. And we don't, there's no one to like respond to you. It's not like, it doesn't have to give you anxiety. If you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. I don't answer it. Yeah, no one (laughs) answers it. You just leave the voicemail and call it a day. Yeah. And we want to hear your voices because that's sometimes way better than just reading out a question. Not Not that we don't appreciate you coming out with these questions, but we, we want to hear your voice too. You yeah. Know? Adds a little twang to the episode. There you go. You know? Gives us context. So, Chris, what is the number that they can reach our Always More hotline at? 254-218-4042. And Tim? 254-218-4042. Thank you. All right, first question. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, is this Maddie? Yeah. Maddie yeah. asked, what were annoying things your family did growing up that you find yourself doing now and cringe at? Um, anytime I walk through the house, turning off lights, wondering <laughs> to myself. I would say most of it's just like the the it's adult the things, stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, the parenting things. I'm not trying to light Colleen, or I'm not trying to cool uh-huh. down the state. Blah, 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 blah. Um, we 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 have box fans because that's how Jessica's family was, and now it's how our family is now. Uh, uh, and so it's me going to the rooms and turning off the box fans, like uh, after the kids wake up or whatever. Yep. Very interesting. Um, I don't know if I have any that are very distinct yet. I'm also young. I'm not a parent, and I don't own a home or anything of that we nature. We don't either. <laughs> I, I don't rent a home either. Um, I live with a parent still, so I guess just anything that he does. I just. I've, I've caught myself just parenting like things. Like I've never actually done it, but I've gotten close to it, or I've caught myself immediately after I did it. But it's like Ari would ask me, like, well, why? And, I, and it's like that whole – because I said so, and I'm like, no, uh, wait, let me give you an answer. This is why we don't do this, and it's just like a, yeah, yeah it's one of those things yeah. that I don't, I don't ever want to do to where it's just like it's my authority or my, it's like it's not about that. It's, it's like that's there's, hard though, because sometimes the kids just like 
they don't listen. You're just, just, just do what I said. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. And Ari is at the age too where she asks why anyways. And so it's just mm. like double. Like I love her. I want her to ask questions. And that's the tiring part behind it is like you want there to be that ingenuity and that curiosity. But it gets so darn tiring. Yeah. Ellie's at the age where she doesn't do it. She just screams no and then <laughs> runs away. Yes. So She's such a character. Yeah. But no, there was one time I was hanging out here with Aria, and we were going through her little medical book, and she was oh, asking yeah. me about all of the body parts, and she was like, what's that one? And I was like, oh, it's your brain. And she's like, what's it do? And I was like, oh, it does this. And she was like, why? And I was like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh <laughs> it does, it just does. And she's like, but why? And I was like, well, shit, you're asking, all the, you're asking the right <laughs> questions, kid. Right. I don't even know, actually. She's going somewhere <laughs> in life, is what you're saying. I, I need to find out, too. Once you find out, let me know. <laughs> Like, jeez. Little girl. But, no, I don't have any adult parental quirks yet that I am conscious of. Mm. Aside from, like, the basic things with, like, say I'm, like, with friends and we're, like, driving. They, like, act full and I'm, like, I will turn this car around. <laughs> like, just, like, stupid stuff like yeah. that. But it's never, like, serious. Yeah, there's there's a quirk for me. But, see, that's the thing. Is it is it is it nature or nurture where, like, for me, like, I like to be on time for things. And so, like, for me, mm -hmm. I want to be there 15 minutes early, if not, you know, earlier. Mm -hmm. So, is that because my dad was that way or is that just a personality Probably. thing? Perhaps. I mean, your per only, your personality is formed from your parents. Only science knows. Mm. Nobody knows. All right. I feel like that's a song for It is a song. Oh, the is trouble it? trouble I've seen. Nobody knows oh, but you. Jesus. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> a church song. Ish. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know if it's actually a church song. It's old though. Okay. I thought it was a, a Negro spiritual. Is tr it? Truthfully. Okay. Well, then I take the groan back. <laughs> Sorry. That was wow. Really bad. Harley. <laughs> Canceled. Ah, no. Canceled. Please. It was an honest mistake. Okay. Next up, Tim. Do you want to read this one? Yeah, so we got an anonymous question, which, by the way, we now have an option for. So if you want to ask us something, like, super serious or something that you just don't feel comfortable revealing your identity for, that's perfectly okay. We have an option in our website uh, to do that. So you just scroll all the way down. There's, you know, ask anonymously. Um, so this person asked, do you believe that smoking weed is a sin? No. No. Absolutely not. I don't. Um, I think for me, it's more of a scientific. We haven't had the years of research that we've had with like smoking cigarettes yet to really have conclusive science on the longevity of smoking weed. However, I think it's been around long enough and that's one of those, like you can study those effects in a single generation type things. Right. I think it's been around long enough that they we're pretty aware of the science. They just don't want to put the science out there. Uh, because Maybe. they've already spent so much time and money waging a war against it. Yeah. True. They don't want to go back on it and be like, oh, no, we realize everything's okay now. But that's exactly what's happening Yeah. with yeah. states that yeah. are legalizing it. Not only are the people there happier and healthier, um, it is wiping out cancer cells. It's helping with other medical treatments, yeah. with mental disorders, mental disabilities. Um, it The taxes alone in states that have legalized it are funding massive societal programs that are just helping everything. Like, there's no reason to not to not partake in that on a statewide right. level. Personally, if you want to not smoke, that's your own business. If you want to smoke, that's your own business. Right. Um, I do not think it's a sin simply because 
in the Bible, God gave us dominion over the earth, and we can do whatever we want with it. I think it's just the same thing with, like, anything else. Like, if you want to view – it depends on what you're really – it really depends on how you view sin in general. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, but if you think it's wrong to disobey the law, then it depends on where you live. But even then, it's like – to me – that's where it becomes even more confusing. Right. There, there's nuance, for sure. But it's like, unless unless you are hurting other people, then I really don't care um, and Which so weed is not one of those drugs that makes you hurt right, other people. Right. So At most you'll eat their food. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah. To my answer is no too, but for I think just different reasons. But yeah. also, I think what we view as sin and what God views as sin are two very different things. True. It also changes depending on the culture. Yeah. And if you even believe in religion. Mm-hmm. There you go. So thank you. Uh, Anonymous person. Yeah, thank you, stranger. We, it Are they anonymous to us? Yeah. So, like, we truly have no nope, idea. Who no that idea. Was. No, okay. it, it's through that uh, that um, that trend that's going on social media on Instagram right now, where you share the link and oh, ask me a question. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. set it up through our website. So, oh, cool. very groovy. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, anonymous. Yeah. Chris, you want to get this last one? Yeah. Uh, my friend Ariel from Disney. Also, I have a lot of Disney friends. You sure do, man. Answer quite. Is, ask, is anyone still work there? Because we need like a hookup. We need. Yeah, so real. I'm going to tell you one thing about people that work at Disney. They do not want to be asked for the hookup. Okay, I know they that. They get that but from do you know literally that? everybody. <laughs> like, there are people that when I get there, they're like, oh, hey, come see me when you're here, and they'll hook me up then, but I'm not asking them for, like, ticket hookups and stuff because, mm-hmm. one, Disney doesn't do that for their employees. Oh, okay. Like, it's basically just their immediate family that, like, if you're married, your spouse can go. That's uh, it. Oh, okay. That's it. They don't do, like... Whoever wants to come, you guys get a family discount for whatever. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, they used to. Really? Not anymore. Trash. It's gotten well, so I mean, expensive. they have like 75,000 employees if everybody did that for all of their friends. Like, well, yeah, but they have like 7 billion thousand million dollars. Also true. Well, a lot more than that. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I think they <laughs> can afford I think it. they're in the trillions We can, we can even it out, guys. <laughs> Probably. I mean, 100% they could. Just they won't. Um, Facts. Yeah, so anyways. She asks... Would you rather not brush your teeth for a whole year or not shower? Teeth. And that is no cheating with deodorant or gum or anything like that to mask the odors. I am on the same train as Tim. I would, you would, I would smell people so much quicker. That's brush true. my teeth for a year and be able to shower than the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, I was really debating on this one because, like, does that mean you can't use those, like, um... Like, you can't use, like, a baby wipe, like a little whore bath, you know what I mean? Um, it says no cheating, so I'm going to... No cheating. Something, something to mask the odors. deodorant or gum to mask odors, but, yeah, I would say the wipes are included in that. See, with, with mm. your teeth, yeah, you're not going to be able to clean your teeth, but for as far as the smell goes, you can eat fruit. You can eat things that will freshen Cover your... It, yeah, yeah but, but for that, no, as a youth pastor, I can tell you right now... Or drink coffee, that'll, like... Oh, it's coffee breath. You right. Know, at, at least, like, it's bad, but you know why it's bad. Yeah. It's even worse if you don't brush your teeth. But Okay, so here's, he, but here's where I've settled. You can get new teeth. <laughs> you can never recover from the embarrassment of not washing your body. Oh, for a year around all of those people that but, you come into contact with. Yeah. Yeah. But will a year's worth of not brushing your teeth really make that big of a difference? I've yes. known several people. Especially mm. if there's drugs involved, it's even uh, worse. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So. No, so I, I would much rather have the ability to shower and not brush my teeth. Because, like, bare minimum, I, I'm putting, I like, put your teeth in the shower. Putting, <laughs> I was going to say, like, bare minimum, I'm putting soap in my mouth and just, oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to 
going to taste awful, but it'll it'll kind of like yeah. clean it at least a little bit. Oh man! But like I I could not not shower. Like I'm I'm at a point in my life as an adult where I can do what I want. So I literally will shower twice a day, mm-hmm. once in the morning, right. once at night, and that's like. And then sometimes yeah. you just go to bed without brushing your teeth. Like you just it just. It, it happens. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I usually but brush my teeth while I'm in the shower, so I'm brushing my teeth twice oh. a day as well. But Killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Okay. It saves time. Hmm. And water, I think. Uh, Probably not. Maybe not water. I don't know. Definitely time. I don't know. Uh, but to answer that question, I would say I would rather shower. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I, will, I would hop on that bandwagon. All right. That's it. Very good. Wow. We went through those pretty quickly. <laughs> good, because that interview lasted a while. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was a great interview, yeah. but it lasted a good minute. Yes. It needed to last a good minute. We're probably going to have to cut Deserved for Col- Colleen. Yeah. Deserved. All right, <laughs> friends. Do we have any final thoughts for today? Um, go check out Voices by Colleen Saffron. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're like into history and stuff like that. It's really a, a really cool insight into, because the, while the stories are fictional, it's based off historical context. Yeah. And if, so if you know a woman, if you love women, if you are a woman, go get that book. Yeah. Facts. Check it out. Girl power. That's all I'm going to say about that. Period. That's what we're uh, about here. Uh, you yeah. Hit the sound. Hit the sound. I don't have more. It's not, it's not set up yet. Christopher, stop putting me under pressure. I don't have it set up here. <sighs> <laughs> Harley would have had it ready. <laughs> done with you. Harley's close to show house. All right. <laughs> okay, friends. Um, thank you all for listening to our podcast, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, don't forget to, if you're on YouTube, you can subscribe, you can like. If you're on any podcast listening platforms, you can leave a five-star rating. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like us, please just don't leave a rating at all. That'd be <laughs> greatly appreciated. Yeah. Um, but if you love us, or even if you like us a little bit, just go ahead and put it at five. Yeah. Just go ahead. It's, it's okay. It's okay. We for, we appreciate. Um, <laughs> that's really it. Uh, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at, sorry, I choked on my spit, at Always More Pod. Uh, Tim, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Timothy Lichty and on TikTok at Timothy Lichty. That's L-I-E-C-H-T-Y. Very good. Chris? I am on Instagram as Captain underscore C-T Ford or on TikTok as Christopher dot Lionheart. And you can find me on Instagram at what Harley W-U-T Harley, and on the clock app at HarleyBean.co. Thank you guys again for listening, for being a part of the conversation. And remember, there's always more than this. Bye. Bye. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Always More podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, share, like, and rate on whatever your platform of preference is. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Always More Pod. If you'd like to submit a question, you can ask us on any of our social media platforms, or you can leave us a voicemail at 254-218-4042. If you'd like to feed into our caffeine addiction as well as support the podcast financially, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash alwaysmorepod. For further information and to contact us, you can email us at alwaysmorepodcast at gmail.com. All right, so next up, we're going to move into... What did I miss? You <laughs> son of a bitch. God damn it, Tim. <laughs> I was so ready for Can it. Can you right please keep in. that in? I need you no. to keep it in.
I need no, that. Good for, no. Oh, but that's put in a, a freaking blooper reel or something. I need Bro, that. Need, I, I'll, have, put a, I'll put it at the end. I'll put do it at we the have end. a blooper reel? I always put it at we, the end. No, like in no, general, I mean, like, we should just like release all one of our soon. old episodes. I don't save everything. There's it'd you be should. so much to try to filter through. Nah, just valid. save it all into one giant okay. file and put it in a Patreon. Twenty. <laughs> all right, I'm ready now.